I'm hey, we're live. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to this. Well, I guess I was gonna say this week's masterclass, but we have one yesterday. We're doing it again. We're doubling down, we're tripling down this week. This is gonna be great. We're gonna be covering targeting with creative and then taking all of your questions. Uh, from folks that are here on Clubhouse, as well as those of you on Facebook, inside the group that are watching live, on LinkedIn that are watching live, and on YouTube. Please feel free to comment below, and if you're on Clubhouse, please feel free to raise your hand. We will answer every single question that comes in in the order that it was done. And with that being said, once again, hello, my name is Charlie. Today we're going to be covering targeting with creative. Okay, so targeting with creative honestly is one of, if not the most important thing that I see so many people misunderstanding and getting wrong. Now, what we're really getting to here more than anything is that we don't, in the world of Facebook, we don't want to be using um, audiences. We don't want to use like interest groups and, and other things. So one of the biggest or behaviors or other stuff like that. So first off, let me start off by describing why <laughs> some people are here watching because they because they, they hear me. Yes, I'm, I'm this animated in, in real life too. Uh, so to get down to why we want to target with creative versus interest groups or other things. First off, interest groups are trash. Now let me break that down for a second. Interest groups exist on the Facebook platform because they're a holdover from when Facebook was originally designed to try to copy what Google was doing. And Google had these affinity audiences. You could also buy a lot of these interest groups and affinity audiences from third-party vendors, like credit card companies and big data companies, companies who have been scrambling to find some relevance in the new world. But in order for Facebook to offer and make it easier for people to buy ads on Facebook, they introduced interest targeting and behavior targeting. And this was a really big deal back in the day because it was really effective until the implementation of the Facebook pixel. Now I spent, I would spend a million dollars a day and I work for big ass companies like Nissan and Levi's, and God knows what, Activision, all sorts of fun and things. Um, I worked for all of them and we would spend a million dollars a day before the Facebook pixel existed. So once the Facebook pixel existed and was brought forth and we had things like conversion campaigns, were now a thing that you could actually do because they weren't always. Facebook was originally like engagement and link clicks. Once that happened, Facebook brought in also an optimized CPM environment, which basically meant that Facebook was going to try to make sure that every user had the best possible quality experience on the platform, which at that point basically meant that it was now irrelevant uh, to use interest groups. Now, people still use them because there's this misconception that, well, these are people that are interested in this thing and that's a positive. So, for instance, like if I'm selling a dog uh, product, I'm going to target dog owner interest group on Facebook. And let me break that down in three reasons why that's wrong. Number one, because somebody's interested in the dog doesn't mean they're a dog owner. An interest, it does not map sentiment or for whatever whatever self-interest you have in that thing. What it means is that person's talking about dogs or going to site where dogs are regularly featured. Now, I'm a dog owner, so I'm so I'll be surprised if there were any of these, but say you didn't like dogs and you were very vocal about it, you'd be in the dog interest. You know, if you ever if you've ever worked in uh if you've ever had a um a restaurant client, or if you ever worked in the service industry. A bad review goes really, really far. Very few people say about all the great experiences they have, but if they have a bad one, they're going to talk to everybody and their mother about it. So negative feedback is very common, especially with things that people are interested in. And you see this a lot, a lot in, in audiences. So understand that maybe 5, 10, 20, 50% of your interest group isn't people that think positively about what you're just what you have to say. So you are specifically limiting the folks that you're showing your ads to to a small group of individuals that half of them maybe might not even think good about what it is that you're offering. So for instance, if for instance I'm a dog owner, I don't feel bad about cats, I don't really care one way or the other. But if I was to say I'm a dog owner, but I talk I talk smack about cats every single day, I'd be in the cat interest. So you're gonna try to sell me things. And I'm going to be, I'm going to respond very negatively to it because I'm not a cat owner. You're wasting your time and money. Now, the second reason that that's a flawed idea is because interest 
groups are not static. They update randomly. I mean, not totally random. They update based around level of volume. So somebody might be in the interest group today that isn't in the interest group tomorrow. So because Facebook's already doing retargeting for you, they're showing ads to people more and more. And you're like, well, I'm not doing retargeting. I'm excluding all these people. It doesn't matter. Facebook is doing retargeting for it. If you've ever noticed, if you hit the frequency button, it is never 1.0. And because it's more than 1.0, that means you're showing an ad to somebody more than once. So you're retargeting. Even in broad, you are retargeting. So you have to understand now that you are focusing your energies on individuals that may or may not be in that audience. So if you hit me today and then all of a sudden I fall out of this interest group retarget, uh, interest group audience, you've now lost me. I might be a great person, but because I didn't talk about that recently enough or I didn't get Facebook the signal to say that I'm interested, then I'm gone. Last thing, uh, and, and I understand, like I know I'm talking really, really fast on all this stuff, but that's why we have YouTube videos and you can absolutely go back and rewind and watch them again because this will last forever. Um, I'm also transcribing them and going to put those out there for other individuals. If you sign up for the email newsletter uh, that is coming out, you will see transcriptions to a lot of these lives. If you want them, they'll be available. Um, and that's another thing I'm really trying to do to help people get as much as they can out of all of this. Last thing is interest groups are inherently more expensive. Now, it's not just because they're smaller, which is absolutely true. The smaller the audience, the more money you pay for it. And it's not just because it's a customized audience, which, yes, the more you customize something, the more you pay for it. It's also because there's far more money being spent by big spenders in short bursts against interest groups. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this from my personal experience. When I used to run CBS, we would spend a million dollars a day against interest groups so that we can understand who best to go and try to sell commercials on the TV shows to. Now, if you're struggling to sell a product and then you go after an interest group, what do you think is going to happen to the cost of that inventory, the effectiveness of your direct-to-consumer effort, knowing that there are hundreds of people willing to drop hundreds of thousands of dollars today We're making money isn't a priority. It's not even something that they're looking at. We didn't look at all around revenue because we didn't need the revenue. We were doing market research at scale and awareness, which is something that you have to understand occurs a lot. So understanding that interest groups, behaviors, all of those audiences, trash. It's old school thinking. It's basically been obsolete for five years. People do see success with it, because if you have a good business, you can win even if you're doing things wrong. We all know business owners that are successful that have terrible customer service, but they're still in business. Things happen. And so we have to understand that just because you've been able to win doing things poorly doesn't mean that you're going to continue to because the cost of advertising on the platform is going to go up every single year. Every year, Facebook gets more expensive because there are more and more money going into it. The growth of new users is not matching nearly the growth of new advertisers. So there's more money, there's more demand, but there's not more inventory. And that by sheer just any level of mathematics will tell you, well, you're going to have to pay more for something. And that's okay because now what we're going to do is really get down to what it is that you need to do. Now, I think a lot of this is a fundamental misunderstanding of how Facebook operates. Facebook relies on getting and keeping people's attention so that they can have a positive experience so that they can then sell that attention for money. The average person swipes the height of the Eiffel Tower on a daily basis. Your job is to create content that they're going to receive that they enjoy so that you get lower CPM so that you can then show those ads in a way that is positive for your business ROI. If you try to force ads that may or may not work using bidding models and lookalikes and predictive elements like cost cap and seven day click and all this other stuff, you are stacking predicting the future on predicting the future on predicting the future. And that's going to lead you in a world of hurt because you don't have any actual real data to build on. So we're going to avoid all of those things that are basically luxury problems for people that spend a ton of money and obsolete and obsolete strategies that are basically only still working for folks 
that have good businesses or ad agencies with really strong clients. I can't tell you, I know a ton of ad agencies that absolutely preach this really bad advice, but they succeed because their clients are really strong. For instance, like when I was working with the Activision team, do you think we really need to get the Facebook ad campaign completely in line so that we could sell the next, like uh, I forgot what we were doing, it was like Call of Duty? Like that game is gonna make $10 million the day it opens regardless of anything that we do. We can't necessarily honestly pat ourselves on the back for crushing because the client is really good. But a lot of ad agencies will say, well, we have really good clients. We're all really successful. And clearly that means we're doing a good job. No, you just signed a good contract. And you can win doing bad work on a good contract tons of times. The problem is I'm trying to help you all succeed, whether you're spending 100 a day, 1,000 a day, 5,000 a day. Or if you're more like me, where you're spending 15, 30, 50, 100, a million a day. All of those have different strategies. And the more, most important thing that we need to get down to here is simple. The targeting with your creative. Now, I've given a whole reasons why this is important. Let me give you a reason or an example of how to actually do this. So first off, what's the number one audience on Facebook? Broad. What is the number one audience that you need to be spending every single penny of your dollars until you have other quality problems? Age, gender, and location. No targeting, open targeting, zero targeting, or as Facebook internally calls it, broad. That is the absolute number one best audience you can advertise with on Facebook. The cost of inventory is very low. Also, every single ad makes a lookalike audience based around the people that respond to it. So because remember, Facebook's number one objective is to keep people on the platform and feeling positive. So every single ad is its own web page. Facebook measures the bounce rate, the click-through rate, and the stickiness of every single web page. And then because the Facebook newsfeed's a curated experience to keep you on Facebook, they just show you content they think that you're going to like. So your job is to make content that people will like. And if you find people that respond positively to that content, who else is going to see it? Other people that are going to respond positively to that content. So, for instance, instead of targeting in cats as an interest group where you're targeting a whole bunch of people that don't like cats that are talking shit about cats that may or may not be in there that you're paying extra money to reach, and you're also targeting against million-dollar spenders who are just doing it for market research, you could just have an ad that says, are you a cat owner? Boom. You know who's going to respond positively to that? Cat owners. You know who's going to see more of those ads? Cat owners, you know, you're going to reach with your direct-to-consumer advertising while paying one-third, one-half of the overall CPMs on a much more stable rate while reaching far more people? Cat owners. That is a good job for you. That's the business objective. That's what you're trying to do. So what we're talking about here more than anything, and I know, again, I'm talking wicked fast, but I'm trying to get through all this, and I want to also open up time for your questions. And you can watch all of this in review on Facebook, inside the Facebook group, facebookdestructor.com. You can follow me on LinkedIn, or you can go to YouTube, Facebook Disruptor and check out the live there. You can do it in half speed or one third speed because I know I talk really, really, really fast. I haven't even had coffee yet. My point is here, build ads that target your customer. And what I mean by that more than anything is what does your target customer, what would they want to see? What do they want to hear? What problems are you trying to solve? And if you don't know how to build that ad, my number one suggestion to you is get on the phone with customers. Get on the phone with them. Go to customer service. Do market research calls. Ask them about their pain points. Understand why they're working with you. Or if they're not a customer yet, I've literally gotten on the phone with people and said, why are you not working with me? What about what I'm doing is not good enough? And they'll give you an answer and be like, look, I want to get better. Please tell me why out of everybody in this room, are you not working with me? I've gone to clubhouse rooms. I've gotten to, I've gone to conferences and, and everything where I'll literally just ask the biggest people in the room, like, why aren't you working with me? Because where I'm coming from, because I'm a business owner, we should all have a little bit of craziness to us. I'm in the room saying like, nobody in this room is better than me at what I do. Why aren't you working with me? And from there, you will get ridiculously honest feedback from people. And based on that, you understand what to write in your ads. You understand what to put in your sales pitch. You understand what your target ideal customer avatar. If you want to know more about customer avatars, there's a brand new video going up on YouTube later today. You can check that out. I'm not trying to sell. It's just really good timing. Uh, and you can understand what their pain points are and how to talk to them. If your ads speak to and address the needs of your ideal clients, then your ideal clients are going to see those ads because Facebook is going to try to show content to people that can respond positively to it. There's no difference between what you pay on a Facebook ad versus the reach of an Instagram reel. They're the same 
thing. Any platform that is built around a curated experience operates around the same algorithm that basically everybody robbed from Facebook. It's called an optimized CPM environment. It's an algorithm to show you content they think that you're going to like. Now, the inverse side of this is if you have ads that might work against some groups and then you start using cost cap bidding or big lookalikes, a bunch of different interest groups, what you are doing is you're saying, I've got an ad that works to one person. I'm going to force this ad on a whole bunch of other people that it's not going to work on. And what's going to be the net effect of that? You're going to say, well, my ad stopped working after three or four or five days. Facebook doesn't work. Costs are really going up. Things are really unstable. Yes, because you didn't design a conversation and a sales pitch specifically for that customer that walked in the store. So you run a car dealership and a mom walks in with three kids and said she has a minivan, but you sold a Ferrari yesterday. You're like, look, lady, you need to buy this Ferrari and I'm going to do everything I possibly can to annoy the shit out of you until you buy it. And when your business fails, it's not because of the business. It's not because of the Facebook not working for you. It's because you didn't bother to put your customer first. If you put your customer first and you design your content and your messaging to meet the needs of your ideal customers, you're going to have a ton of ideal customers coming to you. That's how this works. You target with your creative. That's the biggest hack in Facebook. Run a good business, give a shit about your customer, make ads that appeal to the people that you wanna to sell to. Awesome, now, with that being said, I'd like to give everybody some homework. If you wanna do this homework, you can DM me and I'll gladly accept it. You can also raise your hand in Clubhouse. I see questions coming in on YouTube and from Facebook. Great to see you guys. No questions from LinkedIn, but that'll happen soon enough. And so your homework today, if you do this homework, you can get 50% off the Patreon or the Slack or 20% off any of the ebooks from FacebookDestructor.com. And by the way, I highly recommend, in case you guys missed it earlier, I just started a brand new email newsletter that you can get at FacebookDestructor.com. You can sign up for a dollar today. And it's like 13 bucks a month after that if you don't cancel after 30 days. And it's going to be amazing because I know I talk a mile a minute. But you can just read things there and watch other videos. There's going to be a lot of really good content. I've got casting content creators in there. There's going to be a lot of really good stuff. Reach out to me if you want to get a part of that. Your homework to receive that 50% off of those Slack or the Patreon or to get 20% off your ebook is simple. I would like for you to tell me either A, yes, I'm targeting with Creative at Broad, and then tell me how it's working for you. Or B, say, I'm not targeting with Creative at Broad. And here's the first step I'm going to take. That's it. That's your homework. I just want you to see more success and less stress. I'm not going to make you jump through hoops and it's fucking free. So you let me know where you're at and what success looks like. And if you're on the path or you're not. And if you're there... Let me know that you're on that way and I'm going to try to help you out. And you can find me on, you can DM me on Instagram. You can DM me on Twitter. You can comment in the YouTube section. Reach out to me. You can join the Facebook group. I am not shy. You can find me anywhere. With that being said, I got one question here on Facebook and then we're going to Clubhouse. All right. Uh, by the way, you, if you're on the Clubhouse, you can just follow me there. Um, it's SCT, the disruptor. Please feel free to ask questions, raise your hands. And Leo, I see you. Jovan, I see you. Leo, I was expecting you in the, in the Slack. We are going to cover your questions, man. I'm going to make you happy. This is going to be good. We're going to make you some money today. All right. Facebook user. I don't know. It won't tell me who the Facebook user is. It's privacy concerns with Facebook. There we go. But it says, what social platforms will replace Facebook? And my honest answer to that is I don't think anything will. I think it's got an extraordinarily unfair advantage in the marketplace. And at this point, that's like asking what search engine is going to replace Google. I don't think something will. I mean, eventually it will die out, but it's like what's going to beat out the – if you would ask me in the 70s, and not that I was alive even in the 70s, but what's going to beat out the gas engine? Clearly the electric car, and electric cars and gas cars are actually starting around the same period of time. There's a big uh, scandal uh, between uh, gas companies and electric car companies, but we almost were all driving electric cars like 100 years ago. Um, but that's a whole other history lesson. Okay. With that, I do see one more question here on YouTube. Uh, well, somebody asked, can I repeat it? I, I, I think you just need to wait for this video to be done and rewind. Uh, I believe me, I don't even know what I was saying at 11.08 a.m. But I hope that uh, we get some answers. And if you don't get the answer to your question, Nilkesh, 
I, I, if you don't get the answer to your question, I butchered that name. Uh, just DM me. All right, one more question here on YouTube, and we have Clubhouse hand raising. Okay, so Carousel says, can see what you're talking about with D2C and brands. What would you do differently promoting affiliate offers or the product life cycle might be a lot shorter in most instances? Well, I'm going to make things really easy for you. What I'm talking about works for everything. There is no objective on Facebook where this isn't how you're supposed to do things. That's the bottom line. There's actually very, very few advertising efforts in the world where this isn't the best path forward. The few exceptions to that are demand-based digital marketing platforms. So the very few exceptions to this rule is like Google search. And yes, you can have a better ad in Google search, but you're going to win in Google search because of a bid, you know, that you're running in the algorithm or sorry, with the auction with other people. But even that just means you're going to be placing higher in the ad. It doesn't mean you're going to get the business. So what we're talking about here is actually universally applicable. And I've repeated this success at nine figures in spend for direct consumer businesses, e-commerce businesses, SaaS businesses, lead gen businesses, subscription businesses, affiliate businesses, CBD, home insurance, uh, clothing, uh, alcohol sales. I mean, a million different things. Um, Because I've been in the business for almost 10 years. So this is absolutely what you're supposed to be doing. And I work with Facebook directly to define what what we call the power five. And this is a core element of that power five. The Facebook disruptor group was fundamental in the development of that. And that's where all this stuff comes from. Um, the top 100 Facebook advertisers in the country working together to basically tell the engineers at Facebook, this is the best way to use the tool that you've created. For what it's worth, a lot of that group is or has been uh, students of mine. So um, I'll let that say whatever it, uh, whatever it needs to say. Uh, with that being said, we got questions in Clubhouse. I'm going to raise up the volume on my phone. Hey, look, I see some friends in here. Okay, so first off, hey, Leo. Leo's first on the list. Let's see, Leo from Australia. I recognize that face. How, are you, how, how is life in the future down under? I need to know if, if the rest of the day is going to go well because yesterday was long. Yeah, it's actually perfect. Um, everything goes well. Everything goes to plan. So, um, yeah, the future. All right. Plan. I love talking to people in the future. It's Tuesday there already. Yeah, 4 a.m., 4.30. Let's do it. Let's do it. So how can I help um, you, Leo? Okay, sweet. So first off, loving the uh, dog case study coming up again and again. I've actually got that client that I want to talk about. So um, it's a two-part question. First off, I've um, made a conversion campaign, the sort of like one campaign to rule them all thing. Love and, it. Um, I've put it in a dynamic creative and the spend is like a hundred dollars a day. But what I've noticed is one of the ads has spent like $97. Sure. How can Facebook be so sure that that's the one ad that's working when only spending a couple of cents on the others? Uh, great so question. Oh, actually, maybe I'll, I'll let you answer. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. And I really want to get down to this because the the actual the premise of the question is based around a misunderstanding and one that I had to learn as well. Facebook isn't saying off a couple of pennies that this is the ad that is going to be the best for you. What Facebook is saying is based off of the metadata of the creative, your site the content of the words that you're using and how that image is constructed. And if it's a video, what items are in the video, how it flows, the length, everything else, because Facebook can literally read the AI reads all of the content of everything on your web page, on your entire site within three clicks of the ad, two clicks of the ad uh, and, and all of your content. And then it uses that to determine what is going to give our users the highest estimated action rate. 
So Facebook is just saying out of the available choices you've given it, which one's going to be best to make the user experience strong and in a way that gives you a consistent result. Facebook doesn't know what your business objective is, whether or not you can spend $300 to sell something or 10. Their objective is to give you a consistent result week over week. So it's not that it thinks that this is the best ad for you based around your business principles. Facebook is saying of the available choices, this is most likely the combination that is gonna give the end user the best experience. And what that means is we really have to first let that dynamic creative leave the learning phase so that we can understand that the results of it are based on statistical significance and not just a day or two of spend in incidental data. The second point from there is if it is delivering us a result that is good enough, we can go in and grab the post ID um, of, of the highest estimated action rate ad, which I, I won't get into the finer points here. Uh, I'll say it out loud. You may or may not get it. But for the record, Leo, we did. You did mention this and you were talking about getting in the Slack. So the last Slack chat, we screen recorded uh, uh, a member of the Slack group actually going around and me teaching them. And they, they were able to do it in like two minutes, which was great. Um, but for those of you that don't know how to do this really quickly, just because I'm going to try this as visually like, as I can or in your mind's eye, the terrible words that that might be. Um, when you're editing an ad in the upper right hand corner above the preview, there's a little square with a little like uh, little, like arrow that pops out of it. And that is a thing that gives, allows you to preview the ad. But you can also see Facebook posts with comments. Now, if you hit Facebook posts with comments, generally speaking on non-dynamic ads, that'll break out the ad and show you the actual web page of that ad in a feed. But you'll be able to see the URL of that ad and consider anything else on that URL as, orga as organic or promoted content from the, U from the algorithm. But the first post, that's the post ID for that ad. Now, if it's a dynamic creative, the initial post ID that you're seeing there is what is the... Um, URL, what is the website address for this frame that holds ads in it? And then there's another string of numbers that itemizes out the logic for that ad. And you're going to get a list of ads that show up for dynamic creative. However, when you get that, what you can do is right click on the timestamp. So below the, the page name, it'll say created by so-and-so and then a date. If you click on that date and it opens up in a new window, that's the actual URL for that post. And I found this by accident because like seven years ago, I spent like 50 grand on a tweet for Dr. Phil playing badminton in the street and they would never they weren't sending me the Twitter ID. So I just ended up finding it. And apparently every single social media platform on the face of the planet basically operates in this exact way. The timestamp ID um, timestamp links directly to the ID itself. From there, you can isolate that ad. You can see if that's good or bad for you. If you are really close to where you want to be, then you can try to optimize out the bad choices or the things that are not spending well or that have spent the delivered no results. If you're very far from where you want to be, you can itemize out what is the largest liability inside of your inside of your uh, dynamic creative, uh, inside of your available options across or the entire ad set or the entire campaign if there's multiple ad sets in there. You find out what is the biggest liability to my success? What has spent the most that is furthest away? What is the largest spending item that I have the least amount of confidence is ultimately going to be a part of a winning ad? Remove that one piece. Immediately, you're going to get better overnight. You do that over and over again, and you're going to get better and better. The way that you operate Facebook and the way that you optimize the platform is by removing bad choices. A lot of people make the mistake of saying, well, what's the best thing? Let me just spend the most amount of money on that. And that is fundamentally uh, paramount, like that, that is, that is one of the biggest reasons that most people see instability and lack of success and a lot of stress inside of Facebook ads. Instead, in this situation, what we're doing is we're saying, well, what is our biggest liability? If you remove bad choices from a machine learning platform, eventually it's just going to continue to make better and better choices, right? It's like training a dog. You have to teach it what to do. And the best way to teach something what to do is reward it when it does well and remove bad choices as options. If, it, if you remove all the bad choices, eventually you only have good choices to make. Basically what you're doing is you are applying a law of averages to a data set and then just removing the worst available option. Then the data is going to um, review, the, 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 the data is going to reset and uh, you will, you know, move forward. And hopefully what will happen from that is you get better next week 
than you were this week, which is better than you were last week. And that's all you can really ever ask for um, inside of these things is continuous improvement. Um, so Leo, that was a very long winded question with some visuals that nobody's going to be able to see, but did that help at least with the first part of that question? Yeah, that did help. I feel as though, um, I should probably wait for it to exit the learning phase and then start sort of uh, navigating it one, one creative at a time. But yeah, that made perfect sense. Thanks for that. I love it. I love it. And one other note there too is don't just look at the creative. Also look at the copy and the headlines. Hopefully you haven't loaded in like five or 10 of each. Um, but what you can do if you have loaded in a lot is make another ad set with a lot of the options that haven't had any spend and see if any of those when given a chance because you've isolated them out and you removed them from the larger piece. Now, instead of just letting Facebook try to optimize on that one choice, you're giving it a completely a separate place to potentially spend money. And that way you begin to diversify your risk and you accelerate the potential of uh, opportunity. That's cool. I'll actually do that. Yeah, that's smart. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, for, for the record, I would say have no more than a total of 20 total possible combinations inside of any dynamic creative because eventually you get to the point where you're not able to make any actionable insight. Okay, perfect. And um, on that, actually, I've got another client that's spending $100 a day um, and I have like 20 video creatives to test. And with $100 spend a day, I just want to know how do I actually structure that to be able to test them all and like, you know, how many ad sets, how many ads per ad set, yeah. how dynamic creative. Yeah, that's, that's going to be tough. Um, I mean, I would go through a whole round, a thing I call golden bear testing, which we can't really get into here. I covered a lot of my Facebook ads MBA program. Um, but the honest truth is you're going to, you have a catalog of assets. You don't know if any of them are good or any of them are bad. At 20 bucks a day, what I'm gathering more than anything is that company does not need Facebook ads to see to work for them to see success. And if the case is that they do, you're just in a much worse spot because they're probably going to fail long term. That being said, um, I would try no more than two or three total available options. Break out those 20 by concept. Take that one campaign to rule them all from the ebook, one campaign to rule them all. Uh, for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, that's an ebook you can find on facebook.com or on the Patreon um, that is fundamental to success on Facebook and is taught to thousands of advertisers around the world every year. Um, break those 20 creatives up into concepts and then run those concepts as your different ad sets and you might not be able to spend on all of them at once. I think that's the best bit of advice I could give you there. Sick. Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And um, I'll see you in the Slack tomorrow. All right. I'm excited. We're going to see you in the Slack. That's exciting. That's exciting. Okay, cool, man. All right. Uh, Thanks a lot. You're welcome, man. Go get some sleep, man. Go get some sleep. I know it's 4 o'clock in the morning there. Hey, look, I appreciate your your, your stick to uh, I'm going to bring somebody else up, Leo. Get some sleep, sounds my man. Good. We'll talk tomorrow. Um, Thanks. We'll do it. All right. See you, buddy. All right, we're going to move him down. We got another person here on Clubhouse, and I do see you over there, um, Oliver and Carazel, with your questions. We're just answering them as the, in the order in which they come. Hey, this is somebody that's watching on YouTube that's also in Clubhouse. And please introduce yourself because I butchered the shit out of your name personally on already, so I'm really excited to try to maybe get a little bit less ignorant. Hey, Charlie, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, so I have a few questions regarding to like uh, solar industry. I'm like uh, currently serving my Facebook and services to solar industry, solar pro professionals. Sure. Uh, as, a, as a lead generation. So I was just asking like, uh, if we, like if you start a brand new campaign for a new uh, client, like what will be the strategy you will use? Like which type of campaigns you will, in starting you will run like a, uh, it's an awareness campaigns or it will be directly a lead generation campaigns or a conversion campaigns with the, how many, which uh, like uh, how many ad sets or how many ad creatives? Like my budget, my client's budget, budget is literally from 35 to $50 per day. Yeah, at $35 or $50 per day, I don't think you can run conversion campaigns. You are effectively at that point trying to, with that a level of investment, 
you need to find something that costs you less than $3, $4 a day to get done. So whether that's a link click, whether that's a lead, whatever it is, you need to get to the point where whatever you are running your Facebook ads to accomplish gets done for less than $3 a day or less than $4 a day. That way you can at least get one single ad set out of the learning phase so you can establish a control and then you can get more and more efficient. So I would try to find what is the most, I would ask them, what is the most valuable action that you can drive at that efficiency? And from there, go go forth and spend. Um, the more complicated the ad account, the more events you're going to need. I would highly suggest itemizing out one single key performance indicator. So it's link clicks or brand awareness or lead gen, whatever, where you can get a lot of actions. Ideally, I would try to get something where it's a dollar or $2 per. And that way you can do some creative testing. You can have two or three ad sets with two or three options and you can really dive down deep into that. Or you can run dynamic creative with the one campaign to rule them all strategy and really get down into it. But in order to make that work, you're gonna need at least five or 10 events a day. And I would love for you to have 15 or 20. So I don't think that you have the budget right now to run anything more effective than getting them phone numbers to call or getting people to click to the website. So currently, I'm like testing a one campaign with two ad sets and four ad creatives. And uh, those are like video ad creatives and like uh, I'm using lead generation, but using landing pages. So like I'm getting cost around seven to eight dollars per lead, like it's an, because of uh, I'm running in a, it's in a state where it's a competitive market. So, uh, and it's a qualified lead. Like I'm literally asking four to five questions to qualify those leads and I'm getting the, the, those leads in seven dollars uh, per website conversion. So I'm asking like about like those two ads are like one is broad one and second one is like an uh, uh, like targeting retail targeting audience. So what will say you you will say about audience like I have to use broad one or like I'm getting results in uh, good results in uh, broad one. Yeah so I would you say like, uh, yeah. yeah I would use broad and really focus in on getting that cost from $7 down to five. That's your number one objective, I think, right now in your case, given everything that you've said. With your ads, optimize it to a point where you are going to be able to reduce the cost of getting that lead from seven bucks to five. Lower cost in lead gen is not necessarily a good thing, but it sounds to me like you are getting high quality leads and you're doing that after the click. So reduce the cost of getting the people there. And I think that's going to be your best bet. Like for those leads which I'm getting are not consistent. Like uh, yeah. sometimes it's in $7, sometimes $17. Like it's not consistent. Yeah, that's. I, I think you need to go. I think you need to go to something that's cheaper. Whatever that looks like. Now, maybe maybe you do a lead as a website and or a web page, and then you drive traffic to it. The problem is, at the spend level that you're at, you're not going to be able to drive enough consistent results to leave the learning phase if your cost is five or seven bucks. But, like, I have tested more than four campaigns, and in two campaigns, I have not given any got even a result like uh, in one campaign i spent it around 44 dollars and another one is 38 dollars and there is no like uh, no result no not a single lead yeah yeah I, I i think you need to get down to something that costs a dollar or two maybe three and and probably start with link clicks or something like that the problem is your client doesn't have the budget to do the work that you think is most valuable for them your job at this point is to figure out a way of getting them to give you more budget. And the number one way of doing that is just giving them more opportunities so that they're like, Hey, look, you're driving us enough business. We need to get, we need to give you more budget. That that's, that's your biggest constraint right now. And um, there's a lot of ways about it, but 
I would move away. I would I would really move to a lower cost effort, something where you can drive 5, 10, 20, 50 a day, even at the $35 daily budget, just because you're never going to be able to get out of this at that with, with the current funnel model that you have. What will be the ideal budget according to you? At least seven to 10 times your average cost on a daily basis. Like uh, I'm getting uh, one lead in seven dollars, so it will be like around uh, seventy to. Uh, if it's 70, if you're getting an average $70. of seventy dollars, I would say somewhere between fifty and seventy-five dollars would be a good space to start. Because like, yeah, you need to be able to drive that volume of events for the machine learning to have enough data points to understand how to optimize. I think I'm the. Big issue I'm facing in audience or the audience targeting. Like I'm targeting broad audience and this, uh, the campaign is targeting to a digital targeting of using digital targeting option. So like uh, in broad audience, I'm getting results. But like sometimes I think broad audience is the issue. Yeah, I mean, that might be the case. I, I, honestly, I think the biggest issue I have, and then I got to hop to, to the next person because we're stacking up here, um, okay. is... I really think you need to work on the creative testing. And I think you need to find an optimization event that is more that you can get for a lower cost. From there, you can build up. But I think your biggest issue is your client is not giving you enough money to succeed at the ask that they're trying to do because you're not able to utilize the machine in a way that it's designed to. And if that is the best that they can do, my suggestion would be to not necessarily utilize Facebook on those media dollars. Like there's, there's cheaper options uh, like Google search and things like that and, and try to build them up. But you're not going to win with that low amount of volume. That's just that's just the brutal truth. I, I, I got to move on. Um, thank you very much. DM me with more of this stuff. I'd love to help you out with this. Because it sounds like you've got a bit of an issue here. So find me on LinkedIn, find me on uh, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I DM'd you on Twitter. Got it. Awesome. That's right. We are DMing. Sorry. I'm in, in the mid. So give me more details there and, and I'll, I'll try to walk this through for you. Yeah. Thanks, man. No problem. Thank you. All right. Let's see here. We've got a question over on the live feed. This is coming from Oliver. Oliver says, hold on. You can remove content dynamic campaigns. Without having it, without it having to be re-reviewed, it depends, Oliver. Um, but yes, sometimes it will go into reviews. Sometimes it won't. Sometimes it will. But generally speaking, that is more of a uh, bit of housekeeping. Like they just say, yes, we need to review it. But if you're not adding new things, then you're generally totally fine. The issue is when you're adding additional elements that you see the largest bit of an issue. And if it does go into review, who cares? We're making decisions that we don't need a result from today and where the win and loss of that decision making will last for weeks and or months. So if it goes into review for two or three hours, it doesn't matter. Um, and to that point, there's also no right time to launch a Facebook campaign or any of that stuff. None of that matters. There's another question here, uh, two more, and then we'll come back to Clubhouse. So Carousel says, what services and or tools would you recommend for creating ad creatives? Um, I think the best, uh, my man Wiz of Ecom has a really good thing called Social Studio. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, tell him I sent you. He also has a great thing called Utopia that's great. Um, also, I have some great graphic designers. If you want to reach out to me, I can put you in touch with some folks who are phenomenal at doing that. Um, and I highly recommend that you... Um, do not go the route of trying to do it all yourself and you do not go the route of paying as little as possible. Um, it is the number one most important thing on the Facebook platform. And if you invest into it, you will get an, a return from it. And if you uh, try to shortchange it or get as cheap as possible, you're going to get really bad results. That's just generally the way things work. Leo says, uh, one last thing if you have time, when do you not use a dynamic creative? Leo, I basically almost never not use dynamic creative to evaluate my ads and my options that I get from my estimated action rate testing, from my branded estimated action rate testing. Um, 
I will escalate post IDs from dynamic creative to see if I can ultimately prove out the best available choices from that. And those are the ones that ultimately I drive into my control campaigns. All of Facebook comes down to a control element and a test. Facebook at its core is fifth grade science class scientific method. If you are more complicated than that, you are working harder than you need to and getting worse results than you should be. Hope that helps. Uh, man, we got three questions here. Okay, Duchess. How you doing, Duchess? Uh, nice to see you here. How can I help? Hey, hey. Hey, hey. <laughs> how are you, Charlie? I see you over here. Spilling out all the secrets. Yeah, I'm just trying to make people happy and get things done in this power hour we got. And then I got to go take a Pilates class because I got to get sexy for the wedding. And my fiance uh, owns the Pilates studio. So she's like, if you're not here by so-and-so time, I'm going to do this without you. And you're going to be fat for that suit. So I got, I'm getting some nice little shamey. It's, 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 we, we, we joke about she bakes and she bakes and cooks and then also teaches people how to get fit for a living. So it's this vicious cycle. And I love her funnel. She basically just... Fattens you up and then sells you a solution, which is fantastic. Exactly. She I knows what that. she's doing. Yeah. So how can I help you, Duchess? Okay. So I have a question. I figured who better to ask than you. I don't do a ton of Facebook marketing or ad space there. Um, I was taking notes about the Diamond Creative, so I'm in that right now. But I have a brand new product that I'm going to roll out that has no excitement or engagement built around it yet. Sure. How can I leverage Facebook ads to assist me in that sales funnel? I would, um, unless the product, first off, I would absolutely use dynamic creative around concepts. I have an ebook called One Campaign to Rule Them All that can teach you this process. There's also another ebook on dynamic creative that is an expansion upon what the Facebook blueprint lessons from my case studies that they publish there um, to teach you how to do those things. But ultimately, um, what you need to do more than anything is find out what angles or what pitches work best in the way that you talk and the way that you've designed your creative and your copy and your landing page and your packaging and your messaging to most effectively keep people feeling positive on Facebook while delivering you an a business result that is positive. So more than anything, my answer to this is my answer to most people, um, creative testing by concept and that concept can be video versus image. It can be high cost versus low cost. It can be um, made in America versus influencer. It doesn't really matter. You just want to make sure that any one of those dynamic creative ad sets has less than 20 total possible combinations of all the elements that you have. So you can make actionable insight and then beyond that, that you get actionable insight because of the way that you've separated those creatives. So you can know like the way I'm doing, I'm getting better results from images or I'm getting better results from video or UGC is working for me or testimonials, whatever it is. There is no silver bullet on what the best type of ad unit is. It is how you best get your message across in the way that you communicate. So um, that's what I would do. Also, uh, unless you have invented something that has never existed before, Facebook will have a large amount of data on who best to show that content to based around the metadata of your web page. Also, you need to turn on advanced matching inside of your ad account. It's an element of the Power 5. If you don't know about the Power 5, Google Facebook Power 5, and you can see all the case studies that we put together to tell people how to make things work. But basically, Facebook is looking at literally billions of people across literally millions of websites and trillions of conversation and data points. So Unless you have invented brand new words and have images nobody's ever seen on a product that has never existed before, Facebook is going to have a pretty deep archive on who to show those ads to. Um, so that's what I would, that's how I would get started. And I would also define success as having my second month be more successful than my first. Um, you're probably not going to win right out of the gate. And that 100% does not mean that you are going to fail long term. Um, any business requires trial and error to see success. If you were to go to get any business loan to try to succeed and you're like, I'm going to be profitable in 30 days, they're going to laugh you out of the room. Facebook is no different than that. So I hope that that helps. And please feel free to DM me with, with any of the other stuff that we got. We got some questions stacking up and I got nine more minutes, but is that helpful Duchess? Is that, is that good for you? Or it yeah, also went absolutely. way too, if, if, if that went way too fast, you can follow me. You no, can, it wasn't. I listened fast. Gotcha. Well, this is also available on YouTube, so you can watch it on replay whenever you want. Okay, where is it at on YouTube? The Facebook Disruptor on YouTube. 
Also, uh, you can go to my LinkedIn or you can go to my LinkedIn profile for my Instagram account because you're on you're on Clubhouse. You can go to my Instagram. You can hit my uh, the link tree there and you can find anything. This is the video is live on my LinkedIn. It's live on my Facebook. It's live on YouTube. So you'll be able to find it. It's also going to be archived inside the Patreon. So you can find it in a million different ways. Um, Perfect. I'm going to go check that out. Love I'm it. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much, Duchess. And I'll Yay. see you over in that how to uh, million dollar how room. Million dollar bed. That's right. Yeah, that's right. right All right. I'll see you over there some other time. Thank you, you so much. Amazing work. All I'm right. Thank you. I will. All right. That's fun to see some folks I know from some other places. I got a question over here on YouTube. And then actually, you know what? We have another person here. Leo, you're back. Let's see if we can't get you up. Are you on the stage? Is it bringing you up? Hey, Leo, you're back. Yo, can you hear me? I can hear you. Sweet. Um, thanks for having me again. Yeah. Um, so I'm having trouble understanding the whole, like, control campaign and test campaign. Like, I say I'm starting for a new client. I pop everything in a dynamic creative. Um, what's working is working. That is then my control campaign yeah let me let me, like, let me let me give you the, the timeline here really quick so we have cool. elements we, we we should theoretically be testing our elements to see what has the best branded estimated action rate i cannot get down into this honestly i mean my, my facebook ads mba program we get down into that and there's a little bit of it in the slack as well but that's a whole other like big ass conversation for the purpose of our conversation here dynamic creative the winner post elements of a dynamic creative you can move them into a new ad set within your creative testing campaign that is your proving ground those are your winners if that ad in that proving ground dominates all of the spend like you're seeing right now and the performance is better than everything else and that success has gotten to the point where you can't spend any more money without it not being well and you can't test any new ideas then you can take that ad from that proving ground winners only creative testing ad set and move it into a new campaign targeting just broad and remove it from your creative testing because now you've identified that this thing has a max amount of work the budget and the the budget and the estimated action rate has delivered you a bid that is desirable you've identified that but it's now a, a liability to feature success that is now in your control campaign and in your testing campaign the purpose of that is to run more post is to run more dynamic creatives to deliver more post ids that ultimately you can then add into your control campaign and eventually there's going to be so many options in your control campaign that you're going to need to replace bad options with new better choices and you can do that with ads you can do that with audiences there's a whole process in that and i'll definitely i'm, I'm excited to walk you through all of that inside the slack but that's basically what we get down to here um you can get to a million dollar a year spend in just that creative testing campaign when you are above and beyond the point of the return that you're going to get from that you can take your best elements you put them in a control and then the purpose of that creative testing campaign is to just produce new control elements. This is also detailed in the One Step Beyond One Campaign to Rule Them All ebook that is also available on the Patreon if you want to wake up and take a look at that uh, when it's not like five o'clock in the morning in Australia for you. Or you can look at it now, I don't care. But that that's really sort of the idea here is that you have a testing ground that produces winners and then of those winners, you only have the best available choices. Awesome, that makes perfect sense. And when you move them from that, um, uh, creative testing to the control campaign does it restart the learning phase it doesn't it doesn't um because the ad still has the data it may or may not put that control campaign into the learning phase it depends on how many ads you have in there it depends on facebook's relative confidence level with that post id but honestly it doesn't really matter um because you have defined what is an asset to your business you've, you've already tested in dynamic creative you repeated that success in a new ad set when you move it over into another campaign where you've already defined winnings and losers it's going to it's more than likely about 89 percent of the time going to succeed there as well and if you lose like a couple of hours it doesn't really matter long term cool Cool. Thanks so much. No problem, Leo. All right, you get some sleep, man. You get some sleep. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the next person here so that we can get this. We got four more minutes, and I got two more questions. So, my man, welcome to the stage. Please introduce yourself and let me know how I can help. Is this gonna work? Come on, come on, Clubhouse. I see you there. I'm hitting the button. I promise. Like I'm hitting this button. Let's see. What is going on? All right, I'm gonna. Maybe I need to PTR here and then give it a shot. 
I don't know. Hey, do you mind lowering your hand and then raising it again? And we'll try that. And while you're doing that, I'm going to ask this question on YouTube and come right back to you. Okay, Javon? All right. So from YouTube, we have a question from Ashken says, can you give some tips on drop shipping running Facebook ads for it? Everything that we've said right now, 100% applies to drop shipping. And I did a long form video on the YouTube channel. Since you're on YouTube, you can check it out about how to do drop shipping to ultimately build a brand to so see a vertical integration. Um, and from there you can build a brand and see some big success. Um, but all of this applies to drop shipping does not matter what the business model is. Um, I never work on brand awareness ads. It's all whatever business objective we're trying to reach and pictures and videos doesn't matter. The way that you build the creative is far more important than the format of the creative itself. All right, let's see if this is going to work. Oh, man, Clubhouse, what are you doing to me? All right, let's see if I can do – oh, there we go. It worked. There we go. It took eight tries, but we got it. How you doing? How can I help? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, hey. man. I'm hype. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, listen, man, I got a business, man, a detox business, and I got two – I got one good thing that's happening is when I run ads to get messages – I'm getting leads like crazy, right? And, sure. you know, those leads convert after a conversation. I'm trying to get it to where I don't have to have that conversation and run conversions. But when I set everything up through my Shopify store, you know, it took me, it was a pain setting up the, um, setting up to make sure the verified domain was set up, making sure the pixel was set up. Finally went through all the pain and get all that set up. However, I'm seeing the ad. I'm seeing, I, I got four different assets running. I can see all the, I got different assets for each interest. And it's running and it looks great. I can, you know, kill off the ones that's not giving me no interest. But when I get purchases, I can't tell which interests are getting the purchases. And I know I got everything connected right. I just can't see them. I don't know if I'm not spinning enough or something not connected right, but I don't know. So you're saying you're getting conversions. You're not seeing those conversions reflected inside of Facebook. Yes. And then at the same time, I don't know if those conversions are coming from the lead messages where they just want to click it on the website and they just make a purchase or if it's coming from the actual uh, conversion ad I'm running. Gotcha. Yeah. If you are getting so first off, if you have your Facebook pixel set up properly, you should have good tracking. Um, Facebook right now is having an issue about 55, 60 percent of those conversions are coming through. So you should be seeing some, even if it is not 100% accurate. Um, a shorter term solution to this is to attach UTMs or tracking parameters to every one of your ads that say the ad sets or the creative or the campaign that it's coming from. And there are ways, I won't get into it right now, but you can have basically Facebook can autofill those things for you. So you can just copy and paste across all of your ads. And then inside of Google Analytics, you'll be able to see where everything's coming from. That's a short term solution. The longer term solution that you should probably get in place is understanding whether or not the Facebook pixels is, is implemented properly. And if it is, then you should be getting, uh, you should be getting uh, results to feed in. If it's not, then, uh, then, then, then you, that might be where the issue is. What I would recommend doing my, my, my uh, bit of advice here is twofold. One, um, I would, get Chrome and install the Facebook pixel helper and then walk through your flow and basically do a purchase for yourself and see if everything fires appropriately. And to queue, you can see that inside the Facebook pixel helper, which is a Chrome extension. And you can also go to the events section of your Facebook ad account. And you can see like, did this happen? Did this happen? Did this happen? From there, you should be able to get those results to show up inside of the UI. If that isn't working, then if, if you have all that stuff work, but it's still not showing up, then um, there might be some issue. And the best way of getting Facebook tech support is to go to their help and just basically file a shit ton of tickets every single day. Uh, the honest truth is those customer service people are rated on how quickly they respond to tickets and how many tickets they go through. So if you if you file two or three tickets a day for basically every single thing that you can, um, that that office is going to see a shit ton of stuff come in, and somebody's going to get you because you're screwing up their numbers, and that's going to ultimately get a like an internal like conversation and some project manager 
on a team for customer service is going to have it out for some person because they didn't get you an answer quick enough. Got you, man. Thank you, man, for that, man. That's good help. No problem, man. Pixel helper, you said for. Uh, yep, for it's a free Chrome extension, and uh, you can check out a YouTube video on how to install it. It's super easy. It's a Chrome extension, and then you can also check out YouTube videos on how to use it. And I highly recommend anybody that ever runs an ad on Facebook to have that installed and to QA the process because that'll almost always tell you where something's broken. All right, my man. Thank you so much again, man. No problem, man. Thank you so much. I'm going to let you go. Hey, everybody, I'm going to let you all go. It's been an hour. We are at one hour and seven seconds. So we are right at it. Power hour again. I'm going to do this tomorrow. Screw it. We got one more page in the thing. So I will see you all then. Until then, see you all on the internet. Bye.